I just want to remind you before we get started that today is Communion Sunday. So if you didn't receive a communion packet with the juice and the bread inside, then maybe just lift up a hand, maybe sometime during service, and I'm sure Clemens will spot you and make sure that you receive one of these communion packets. But we will be celebrating the Lord's communion together at the end of today's sermon. And speaking of today's sermon, let's get into the Gospel of Matthew and continue our series, The Sermon on the Mount. And as we have over the last several weeks, we've begun with the Beatitudes. And so if you'll find that place in the Bible, Matthew chapter 5, as always we're going to read all the Beatitudes, but we're going to concentrate on just one of them today, the sixth of them. But let's read them all together today and help memorize these. Let's all stand together as we look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 3, and here are the words of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. You may be seated. As you can see by today's title, we are looking at the beatitude that says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. By way of introduction today, let's remember a story from the Old Testament. God was not pleased with the king of Israel. His name was Saul. God had rejected him, and God chose to raise a new king. And this new king... God wanted a man who would truly not only humble himself before the Lord and love the Lord with all of his heart, but he wanted a man who would also love the people and lead them not just as a king, but as a shepherd, guards and guides over his sheep. And so God told Samuel, the prophet, go into Bethlehem, find the household of Jesse, and you shall anoint one of his sons as the king of Israel. And so Samuel went to Bethlehem. He met with Jesse at the home. And he said to Jesse, I need to meet your sons. And one by one, Jesse would introduce his sons, beginning with the oldest to the youngest. And first we had coming out the oldest son, Eliab. And when Samuel just looked at Eliab, he thought to himself, surely this is the one. I mean, look at him. Look at the strength. Look at the character that is upon him. He looks like a king. Samuel said, surely this is it. And God said, no, this is not the one. And God said from that very moment, Samuel, you are not to pay attention to the outer appearance of a man. For God does not see as man sees. 
Man looks at the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And so, one by one, each son came to Samuel. After Eliab, it was Abinadab. After Abinadab, it was Shammah. Seven sons walked by Samuel, and neither of them, none of them was the king. So Samuel said, Jesse, are you sure there seems to be something wrong here? Do you have any more sons at all? And Jesse said, well, I have yet one more, my youngest one, a boy. He's in the fields right now watching over the sheep. Samuel said, bring him here to me. So young David, the boy, came into Samuel, and God spoke to Samuel and said, anoint him. This is the one, the king of Israel. And the Bible says that as David led the children of Israel, he led them as a shepherd. That he led them out of the integrity in his heart. A man who loved God and a man who loved the people of God. And he reigned over them in love and in mercy and in grace. And David would say, that even though he would go through very difficult times as king, and no, he wasn't a perfect man, we all know that, and he went through storms and trials of life. But David also wrote in Psalm 27, regardless of all the things that he had seen and gone through, he believed that yet he would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so he did. From the valley where he fought the giant Goliath, he saw the strength of the Lord, the goodness of God. In the caves, in the wilderness, when he went into hiding, he saw the comfort and the encouragement of the Lord. And even at the throne, he saw the mercies and the grace of God. And God even allowed David to see into the future, and he had visions of the coming Messiah, Jesus. And he prophesied of the life of Christ, the death of Jesus, the resurrection. And he even prophesied that Jesus would reign forever and ever upon his very throne. David, a man who had a heart for the Lord and a heart for the people, he saw the goodness of God in his life. And so today we read, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And as we look at this beatitude today, once again, we're going to answer two questions. Number one, who are the pure in heart? And number two, why are they blessed? Amen. You ready? Number one, who are the pure in heart? Once again, look at that verse. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So who are the pure in heart? The pure in heart are those who are honestly devoted to the Lord. The pure in heart are the believers in Christ who are honestly devoted to the Lord. And maybe to better understand what it means to be pure in heart, we should consider the opposite of what it means to be pure in heart. 
What is the opposite of pure in heart? Well, the Bible tells us two words that describes this very thing, the opposite of pure in heart. And in these two words, we find guile, and we also find double-mindedness. This is the opposite of pure in heart. Guile simply means deceit, to be deceitful. It means that there is a hidden agenda within someone's heart. He or she appears to love. They appear to care. They appear to want to help, yet they have something else in mind that they want to accomplish. And so what they may say does not actually demonstrate what is in their heart. They speak deceivingly. That's what it means to be guile. In the Old Testament, God looked at His people Israel and He saw in them guile and deceit. And so He spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And He said through Isaiah, these people, Israel, these people, they draw near with their mouths and they honor me with their lips but they have removed their hearts far from me. God would look at a people, and no matter how loud they sang, no matter how many sacrifices they brought to the temple, no matter what they proclaimed in front of others, God says, I hear what they're saying, I, I, I hear their words, but I know that their hearts are so far from me. That is not pure in heart. Those aren't people who are honestly devoted to God. They work in deception. And as we consider that, I'll ask you, why have you come to church today? Why are you here sitting in God's sanctuary? Is it because someone told you you had to come here today? Did you accompany someone just so they didn't have to come by themselves? Has this become just a habit of yours that this is what you're supposed to do, go to church once a week? Or have you walked into these doors today knowing there is so much to praise the Lord for? There is so much to thank God for. And today you just want to worship Him and express your thanksgiving and express your worship for all that he's done. Maybe you're here today and right now you sit down in that seat and you say, Lord, I truly want to learn the next beatitude. And if it is pure in heart, then Lord, help me to truly understand what it means because I want to know your word and I want you to teach me to be like you. Which of those are you today? Not only is there guile, but the Bible also describes someone who is double-minded. Literally having two minds. Or, as it is written in the ancient language, it's having a heart and a heart. Two minds, two hearts. You are divided. A double-minded person. It means to be undecided in your devotion. It's playing both sides, jumping back and forth from one opinion to another. And the Bible calls these kinds of people unstable in all their ways. 
it likens a double-minded person to someone who's being tossed back and forth in the waves of the ocean. There's no grounding. There's no foundation. You are not settled in your heart. You are double-minded. You appear to be devoted to one thing, and yet you know in your heart there's another devotion that is stronger than the other. Double-minded. You know, in the Old Testament, as should be true for all armies today, in the Old Testament, when the soldiers gathered together to fight a war, God wanted to make sure that there weren't soldiers who had a double-minded character. He didn't want a soldier going into the battlefield, and yet his mind is somewhere else. He walks into the battlefield, and yet he can't stop thinking about his home and his family. He can't stop thinking about the responsibilities he has back at home. God says, if there is any such soldier, then go home. Better for you to go home and deal with those things rather to go into the battlefield double-minded because all that's going to do is cause harm and possibly destruction within the army. The armies of Israel had to be single-minded. Their minds had to be on God and the promises of God. Believers, they are to be pure in heart toward the Lord. And that means we believe all our faith is to be cast upon Jesus Christ alone. It means that all we do, we do to please and to honor Him. Believers are also to be pure in heart toward other people. So that when you're dealing with somebody else, you don't have a hidden agenda inside your heart. You're not looking to take advantage of somebody else. And you are not hypocritical. You are not to say one thing, and yet you do something else. Husbands and wives in marriage are to be devoted to one another. Amen? Parents and children are to be devoted to one another. Those of you that are in this church, we are devoted, number one, to Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we devote ourselves to one another in order to build each other up. This church is not, it is not about making a name for you. And I'm not preaching so that I can make a name for myself. I love you. And I know that you love me. And you love one another. And we are to be devoted in the ministry toward one another. The pure in heart, they are honest with God. And they are honest with people. Amen. Now I know we don't use words like this probably at the workplace. We don't, we don't go to work and probably talk about workers who are pure in heart, but it does make sense. When I was in college, after I finished about two years of full-time schooling, I decided against my father's wishes to just go ahead and find a full-time job and start making some money. I was tired of the education. I just wanted to get a job and make some money, buy my own car and do my own things. And I did. And I found a job that was a very technical job. It was computers. It was data analysis. It was buttons and knobs and dials and machinery. The kind of job I did not enjoy. 
and I've never enjoyed that kind of work. Now, if you're in that kind of work, manufacturing, or you, you like computers, then God bless you. But for me, I am so easily bored when it comes to that kind of technical work. I need people to interact with. Nevertheless, I found this job, and I made very good money, very good benefits. I didn't like the job, and to be honest, not liking a job is no excuse to not give it my all. But I didn't do that. And after, I guess, a year or so, I suppose that my supervisor, my manager, even the human resource people, they could see there was something wrong with my work ethic. Maybe it was coming in late, leaving early. Maybe it was taking a longer break or a longer lunch. Maybe my, the, the, the quality of my work was falling. And they observed it for some time. Until one day I got to work and I was called to go into an office where I saw my manager, my supervisor, and a personnel from Human Resources. And when I sat down, they let me know that as of right then, I was being terminated, fired, let go. And it shocked me, although it probably shouldn't have. But I sat there in silence, had no idea what to say. And finally, the woman from HR broke the silence by saying, you know, we just feel your heart is not in the work anymore. And what could I say? They were exactly right. My heart wasn't there anymore. Still, I was silent, and very graciously, she spoke again and just said, we just feel that you should be doing something else in life. And I said, like what? And the all three said, we think you should probably go into ministry. <laughs> wow, how prophetic was that? It was true. But you know, as a worker, when my heart was not devoted in my work, I thought I was kidding everyone. I thought I had fooled them, but you can't fool things like that. Eventually, people will see that. And in the workplace, whether you're working with people or for people, God expects you to be honestly devoted in what you do. That is having a pure heart, not being double-minded, not working a technical job and, oh, I wish I could be doing something else instead. No, be devoted to what you do. Give it all that you have. That's what God expects from us. Not only in the spiritual life, but in everyday life. If we are not pure in heart, then doesn't that mean there is impurity in our life? In other words, there's something else that we are longing for. And so maybe ask yourself the question today, in your relationship with the Lord, is your heart devoted to Him? Or is it divided toward Him? Do you say things like, I long for the Lord, and yet your life resembles a completely different kind of lifestyle? You might say one thing, but you act in a very different manner. That's something that you have to ask yourself. Am I honestly devoted to the Lord? Now, pure in heart, let me just add one thing here. Pure in heart does not mean that you are now without sin. 
Pure in heart does not mean that we don't struggle with sin any longer. That's not pure in heart. When we come to the Lord poor in spirit and we mourn over our sin, He cleanses us, cleans our hearts, cleanses our hands, and He makes us new again. Pure in heart does not mean we no longer struggle with that sin. But the one who is devoted to the Lord, when they do sin, they run to the Lord for forgiveness. Why? Because we are devoted to Him. And if we are devoted to the Lord, we recognize the mistakes that we make. We recognize the failings. We recognize the sin that we do that is against Him. And if you are devoted to Him, when you sin, you should run to Him and ask for mercy and forgiveness and to receive that comfort from Him. I believe the more devoted we are to the Lord, the quicker we run to Him when we fall into sin. Does that describe you today? Do you know one thing I love about David? As many faults as he may have had, when he sinned and God brought it upon his heart, David was so quick to come to the Lord and say, things like, have mercy upon me. Take not your spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart. Forgive me. Pardon me. David was quick to respond to that call. And the more devoted he was, the quicker he ran. The pure in heart are single-minded. They want to be like Christ from the inside out. And their desire is to honor Him and to be true to Him in whatever position or situation they are in. Do you come before the Lord today with a pure heart? Are you devoted to the Lord Jesus? Or is there guile? Is there double-mindedness in you? Who are the pure in heart? They are the ones who are honestly devoted to the Lord. And number two, why are they blessed? Again, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. And remember that the blessings that come with the Beatitudes, the blessing is for today, and the blessing is for a day which is still to come when we are in the presence of the Lord. So let's look at that blessing. First, the blessing that is today. We shall see God. Today, we see God moving. And we recognize when God is moving. We are devoted to Him. So we're always watching for God to work in us and to work through us. Think of it. The more you are devoted to Him, the more you think of Him, the more you recognize how much He's actually doing in you and through you. The double-minded one does not have this promise to see God. In the book of James, James says, for those who are double-minded, 
They should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. The one who is double-minded, some of my heart is devoted to Jesus, but other areas of my life are devoted elsewhere. James says, then don't expect to see anything that God is doing in your life. Don't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Don't expect to pray, and then God answers that prayer. Not so for the double-minded person, but for the pure in heart, they shall see God. Do you remember when Jesus was first meeting with his first disciples? He found Philip, and after Philip began to follow, Philip then went and got Nathaniel. And when Jesus met Nathaniel, Nathaniel's world completely changed. Nathaniel, when you read the story, Nathaniel was someone who was truly devoted to the Lord, hungry for God. He was also hungry for the Word of God. He wanted a right relationship with God. How do we know that? Because John tells us that Nathaniel was under the fig tree. That's where Jewish men would go to be in a private place, to be in the secret place and to seek God and to study the Scriptures. Nathaniel did that not so that people could watch him or see what he was doing, not so that people could say, wow, Nathaniel, he's a very holy man. He loves God. No, Nathaniel found a secret place, a place that was probably unknown to everyone else. But there was Nathaniel studying the Scriptures, praying and desiring to know God. And when Nathaniel met Jesus, do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, ah, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile, no deceit, an honest man, true in his heart. And Nathanael said, how do you know me? And Jesus said, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you there. I see you, Nathanael. I see you in your desire. I see that honest hunger for God. I see that you search him in the scriptures. And I have now revealed myself to you. And Nathanael said, you are the Christ. You are the king of Israel. And then Jesus said, because I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Then he said, hereafter, Nathanael, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. What was Jesus telling him? Nathaniel, you who are honestly devoted to the Lord, you who believe in God, you who search the Scriptures, you will now see with your own eyes what God shall do, because here I am, and I am the road to heaven. And imagine all the things that Nathaniel would see. He would see Jesus heal multitudes of people, Open the eyes of the blind. Open the ears of the deaf. He was there when Jesus spoke these words that we read today. He would see Jesus minister to the hurting and to the poor and to the weak. He would see Jesus at the Last Supper. He would see Jesus lifted on a cross. He would see Jesus risen from the dead. He would see Jesus 
ascend to the throne of heaven. Oh, the things that Nathaniel saw. The one who is pure in heart. God allowed him to see most incredible things. And I believe it's true for us today. Those who are devoted to the Lord, you will see things of God that you never dreamed would be possible. That's for today. And what about tomorrow? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Tomorrow, my friends, that day that we are in heaven, we are going to see the Lord face to face. Your eyes shall behold Him and see Him as He is. That's the promise for those who are pure in heart, who are devoted to Him. They will one day see Him with their own eyes. Now, just humanly speaking, you may know that just like many of you, for the past year or so, there are probably family members that you have not been able to visit because of this pandemic that we've all been through. And I have my oldest daughter, Rachel, who's been in Singapore as a student going to school there. And she first left Indonesia last year, somewhere in the month of March. And when she first left, we thought, at the end of the week, we'll see her again. And that week turned into several weeks. And several weeks have turned into several months. And it has now been well over a year since we have seen Rachel face to face. But we know that day is coming. And hopefully sooner than we think. And sometimes Rachel and I will talk about when that day comes. And we talk about going down those streets of Singapore, the places where we like to shop and the food that we like to eat. We talk about that dumpling place that's at the mall, the, the Ion Mall that's there, and there's these great dumplings that you can order from an iPad and they deliver it to you. We love going there. And we talk about those things and where we're going to go, what we're going to see, what it's going to be like, and all the things that we will do together. But to be perfectly honest... I'm not devoted to eating dumplings and to seeing those things and to going those places. I just want to see my daughter. All those other things pale in comparison than to just see her and to hold her once again in my own arms. I'm not longing for the streets of Singapore, for the food of Singapore. I'm not longing to be in those places again and to do those things again. I long to see my daughter and to hold her once again. And when I think about that, I'm not longing for the place, but for the person who's there that I'm going to see very soon. Do you know Job? Job in the Bible was a man who was a man of great suffering wasn't he? Losing all of his children, losing all his wealth, losing his physical health. He was very close to death itself. Racked with pain and suffering. His friends made it worse by telling him, it must be your fault, Job. It's because of what you have done. And so 
The pain was not only physical, the pain was spiritual, the pain was mental as well. And in all that pain and suffering, Job never stopped believing in God. And though Job didn't quite understand what God was up to, nevertheless, he did not stop believing. He was devoted to God in chapter 1, and he was devoted to God until the very end in chapter 42. Before the suffering and after the suffering, Job was always devoted to God. But in the middle of his suffering, Job came to a conclusion and he spoke these words to his friends. He said, and after my skin is destroyed, in other words, when I die, this I know, that yet in my flesh I will see God. What do you mean, Job? What do you mean that once you are destroyed, that in your flesh you shall see God? Job knew that though I will die, there will be a resurrection. And in that resurrection, in body and with my own eyes, I shall see God. He says, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him, and not another. And oh, how my heart yearns within me. The hope that Job found in the middle of his suffering was to know that one day, with these very eyes, I shall behold God. And oh, how my heart yearns for that day. Just like my heart is stirred within me to see my daughter one day. And I know I've got four daughters, and I'm going to go through this three more times. Oh, to be a parent. But Job, in the middle of his suffering, his hope was, I will see God one day. And oh, how my heart yearns within me. Now we are told in the Bible, musicians, you can come. Brother Jesse, you can come. We are told in the Bible that in heaven, there are gates made out of pearl. That there are 12 foundations of heaven. And each foundation is a beautiful jewel. We're told that within the city, there are streets of gold. We are told by Jesus that he is preparing a place for us. There are mansions right now with your name on it. But if you're like me, I'm not longing to see streets of gold. I'm not longing to see countless heavenly angels. I'm not longing to see my very own mansion. I'm not longing for the place of heaven. I long for the person who I shall see face to face. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in closing today's message, we are looking for the one we are devoted to. And the more devotion, the more devoted we are to Him, the more we would desire to see Him again, to see Him face to face. Not only to see Him working in us today, but in that day, like Job says, where our very eyes shall behold Him. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
those who are truly devoted to the Lord, for they shall see God. Amen. Amen. As we now prepare our hearts for communion, let's sing a song together and worship the Lord.